So our uh, sermon or talk series on Proverbs on wisdom continues, and I have a wise saying for you, and I want you to guess where it's from. My mum always said that life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Forrest Gump, okay. Do you know that it came out 23 years ago? So as I can remember when it first came out, and I was only about five or six at the time. Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, it makes me feel a little bit older. But wisdom and words of wisdom and wisdom sayings, they're, they're a real part of our culture. You just have to go on the internet and you can find hundreds and thousands. And I've got a few here for you, um, for your entertainment. Never hit a lying person, he may still get up. Complicated problems always have the easiest and most wrong solutions. Patience and self-control is the only way to survive in the world of idiots. Well, I don't know how wise those wise sayings are but anyway they are all around us aren't they these so-called wise sayings we were on holiday down on the Isle of Wight and thank god it didn't rain too much I had a good time more or less and um, you just go into any of the <clears throat> the tourist shops selling buckets and spades and and rock don't forget the rock my daughter's discovered rock this week and really likes it but she's also discovered um wise sayings on things so you could you could buy them on bits of rock and on hearts and all sorts of things there's so many wise sayings all over the place aren't there if you think of jesus's time there are a bunch of people who thought they were wise they were really into their wise sayings and they and they were the religious professionals of their age so they're called pharisees scribes um, teachers of the law and they thought they really had a, an angle on wisdom. They thought they were really clued in. And they really got excited about making a fence, basically, around the word of God. And they said, you, you can never do this. This is really wise. And you should never do this. And they were adding to the word of God all the time. But they thought it, it was really important. And it gave them an amount of power. And so I love it, the fact that uh, they came to Jesus in Mark 7 once and they were fuming with Jesus. They were mad. How dare your disciples, your friends, your followers, how dare they not fulfill these laws? How, who do you think you are? And I love Jesus' response because he, he, he knew what was going on and he knew actually these people were not that interested in in following God they enjoyed the power can you imagine it someone comes to you and you, and asks you a question about something you say oh no you should do this and they go away and you kind of you know hey I've got power over people and and Jesus knew what was going on and his response is wonderful he says well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me what what a slap down that was to the people who are supposedly kind of the professional professional Christians, professional uh, followers of God. You are far from me, you saying. You just so not got it. But let me talk about what you were getting angry about. He says it's it's not about what goes in the mouth. 
It's not about the use of the utensils and cleaning all the bowls and making sure everything's perfect and cleaning your hands certain ways and all that sort of stuff. That's not what it's about. It's actually about what comes out of you. And then he quotes this list of 12 things. He says, from, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, run out of fingers, slander, pride, foolishness. What a list. You guys haven't got it. Comes from the heart coming out. Think of that list. It's quite an interesting thing. If I was technically savvy and not on holiday this week, I'd have something nice and up there, but I don't, so you just have to bear with me. Think of that list. How many of those items on that list were actually as a result of how we speak? Well, let's look at the most basic. So the most obvious, slander. What's slander? It's saying lies about people behind their backs, yeah? Gossip's pretty close. That's definitely um, sin, definitely coming from the way we speak. And then pride. Well, you can see pride in the way that someone walks, you know, kind of puff out the chest, the way they drive their cars. Have you ever been around people? And he's like, oh, he's such an arrogant so-and-so. I'm often the one who's saying that about other people, but maybe it's about me too, I don't know. But also with the way they spe- we speak, pride comes through, doesn't it? And then if you look at the other ones, deceit. Well, you can deceive people um, accounting-wise, and in the Bible it would have been wrong scales, deception like that. But also in the way we talk, we can deceive people. We can, we can uh, lie and all that other th- sorts of other things. But even in murder, even in theft, even in sexual immorality, there's an element of talking, isn't there? of actually using our mouths in a bad way. Obviously, the way that we speak is really important. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And I just want to remind us of... Do you remember that paddling pool? Was it two weeks ago? We had a family service over here. And um, we built marshmallow houses. Remember that? Actually, I didn't build marshmallow houses. I was at the back having a chat. But someone else... Would built marshmallow houses and they're up here and we put them on some sand and we put them on, was it a rock? I can't remember. And then Tim came along and poured the water over. Yeah, I hope we all know that, that parable that Jesus told. And I just want us to remind us of it. The way we live our lives is so connected, isn't it, to what Jesus says. Are we going to obey his words and build our lives on the rock or are we going to build on the sand? We'll come back to that. So today, we're looking at how we speak. And uh, we're going to be looking at the good, the bad, and the not ugly. That was from uh, maybe some of the older people. Uh, Trevor's chuckling, he knows it's from a, from a, um, a cowboy film, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. My son Jamie's got into that. He's really enjoying it at the moment, or some months ago. So the good, the bad, and the not ugly. So the good. Can you remember the last time that someone said something really good to you? Maybe it was a compliment. Uh, Maybe someone was just kind to you. I don't know what it was, but what did you feel like? Maybe you were having a bad day and someone just said something kind and maybe your bad day wasn't quite so bad anymore. 
Maybe you had a kind of warm, fuzzy feeling inside as a result. It feels good, doesn't it? When people compliment us out of the blue. It's like, where's that come from? This week, as I've been thinking and preparing, a number of you guys just say, yeah, I'm just thinking of you as you're preparing, praying for you. It's kind of like, yeah, that's good. Someone else said, you know, I really appreciate you. It's like, yeah, feels good when people say nice things about us. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Proverbs 10, 11. A fountain of life. That's pretty cool. Proverbs 15, 4 says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. What's a fountain? What's What's a tree of life? Well, whatever it is, there's an amazing power behind those good words. An amazing power in our lives. There's another saying, which I'm sure you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What absolute rubbish. Poppycock. I don't know, whatever phrase you want to use. Um, Yes, anyway. It just doesn't work like that, does it? Words in our lives, particularly good ones, have real power. An example for you from the Old Testament. So do you remember um, Jacob Jacob and Esau? Um, So they were getting towards the end of their dad's life, Isaac, and he is one of the patriarchs. You know, you can imagine him, big long beard and walking along with a stick. I don't know why I imagine him that. Anyway, he was getting old, about to die, and the tradition was that the father would lay hands on the, particularly the oldest son, and he would say a blessing on him. But uh, uh, Jacob, put up by his mum, deceives the father, so he gets the blessing. And it's an amazing blessing. If you want to read it sometime, go for it. But he's basically, um, Isaac blesses him with earth, the earth's richness, abundance of grain. The nations would serve him, and your brothers bow down to you. Wow, what's going on there? Why would he say those things unless he believed there was power in his words? And I believe that there there definitely was. And you can see that in the way Esau responded. He went absolutely ballistic, didn't he? You've stolen my blessing. And it took him, what was it, 20, 25 years until they could be reunited and, and have a relationship again. The New Testament I'm sure some of us know this verse, Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, so there's, we know that our faith is dependent upon, sorry, um, salvation is dependent on faith, but here also we see that there's something going on as we speak. I don't know what it is, but something, something somehow spiritual whatever is happening when we speak forth there are, there's power in our words and the opposite of that Matthew 10:33 whoever disowns me Jesus says whoever disowns me before others i will disown before my father in heaven again the words we speak have power there's a story of a, a young lady i want to tell you <clears throat> so she was about 17-ish, something like that. And uh, she was feeling the pressure from her peers, from friends at school or wherever it was, to basically be active sexually. 
and uh, she had a boyfriend, and this particular day was the day that her boyfriend was going to come, and they were going to go out, and, and she was feeling the pressure to, to basically sleep with him. And uh, she was getting ready before being picked up, and out of the blue, her dad comes in and walks over to her, gives her a hug, and says, whatever her name was, I'll just call her Honey, dear, whatever. Honey, you are so special to me. I love you. And that was it. Have a great evening. I'll see you later. And reflecting on that later, many years later, she said, that moment was critical for me. Because I suddenly realized, what am I doing? What am I doing? I don't need any of this. I don't need to go off with this guy. And so she went out and finished with that guy that night. And looking back on that, she said, that was such a turning point in my life. What were those words that the dad spoke? They were words of life, weren't they, to her? They changed the way she thought, and they changed her. So how are, the, how are our words a fountain of life? If you look in Ephesians 4.29, I'm sorry I'm jumping around a bit, so it's good to have Proverbs open. You might want to have James open for later as well. We'll come to that. 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. The bit that jumps out at me is the, the give grace part. Give grace. Because our words, when they're good words, encouraging words, uplifting words, they help others to be what God wants them to be. It's like we're, this is not an English word, but engracing them with our words. I can make up words, sure, why not? It's like we're, we wake up in the morning and those of us that need our daily intake of caffeine, caffeine have their drugs and I can see I don't drink coffee, but anyway, have their drugs, have a, have a wash and food and the rest of it, and hopefully you read your Bible and pray for a bit, you give the day over to God, and then you go out into the world. And from that moment, we are bombarded, aren't we? We're bombarded by all these different media and images and, and voices that are coming at us that are completely opposite to the way of God. We are bombarded and it's so easy to get down. It's so easy to let our, our, um, our vision slip from the Lord Jesus to everything else. And then someone says something kind to us. It's like, oh, golly. And then maybe a brother or sister in Christ says something to us. And we're like, oh, golly. We're reminded of the Lord Jesus. We're reminded of actually... We are a new creation. I'm not, I'm not dead. I'm not part of the, the, the old way of things. I don't have to live like everyone else. I am created to do good works. I'm beloved of, the, of, of God, bought with a very great price. Oh, wow. That's what we're talking about by embracing someone, by words of life. It lifts our eyes and sets our eyes upon the only one true source of hope. That's the good 
Sadly, there's the bad. The reality is that most of our words are not gracious words, are they? Got another story for you. Michael Hyatt, I don't know if you know him, he's a, a blogger. Um, and he re- reflects on a time when he was, he'd moved school, moved city and then school, age 14. So he would have been uh, year nine-ish, something like that. Can you remember what it's like, your first day of school? Well, um, Katie, my daughter, um, age 12, went into secondary school this last year, and the first term was, was tough. It was really, really hard work. You know, tears and feeling alone. And Can you remember that? Some of you, it might be easier than others. Well, I can remember that. I, moved, I lived in the States for three years when I was about that age, a bit before that, and we moved every year, and every year having to go into a new school and... Parents, don't do that. It's really not good. But anyway, the feeling of being completely new and everyone else having friends and everyone else knowing what's happening and how to do things and you're the only person and it feels like everyone is looking at you knowing you're the only person and it's really not fun. It's really not good. And that's what Michael felt like. And he got to probably the worst time. What's the worst time in the day on your first day at school? Absolutely. Lunch hour is the worst time, isn't it? Because, okay, I found the cafeteria. You walk in and there's this, all this noise and everyone is doing stuff and you don't know, what am I going to do now? I don't know. Well, there's a line over there. I suppose I should walk over to it. And do I get my tray first? When do I, when do I pay? And oh, all this type of stuff. So anyway, my, Michael managed to do that. He walked through the line, got his food. And then the really, really bad time is where do you sit? Oh, golly. And he looked around. And I was like, oh, there's a spot over there. So he walks over, sits down, starts eating, and, and his table's quiet. And then a sniggering starts from all the other people there on this table, the other kids. Kids are nasty sometimes, aren't they? Oh, anyway, sniggering. And then one of them suddenly says to him, man, you've got a big nose. Ooh, poor guy. Went red. And he tried to push it off, you know. Oh, of course not, you know, whatever. However you do that. But inside, he was just... You know, he wanted to die and shrivel up. Poor guy. And he said from that moment on, every morning, he'd sit in front of the mirror and he'd kind of, you know, look at his nose. And, and it affected him so deeply. And he, he says, it was like... I was merely a life support system for this thing. Oh, tragic. Took him over 20 years to get over it. And even now he's sensitive about his nose. Bad words. Oh, they're so quick to come out and yet they can last for a lifetime. Can you remember some bad words spoken over you? It might be actually come to your mind faster than the good words. It has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Um, How would Michael Hyatt have felt? Well, the Bible says a gentle tongue is a tree of life. We had that, didn't we, already? Yeah, good, good. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Yeah, those bad words break our spirit. They can make us want to literally throw ourselves off a bridge. You know, the number, 
the, the tragedy in schools now with Facebook and social media and the rise of suicide. Oh, it's just tragic. What does Proverbs say? There are lots of, lots of verses in Proverbs that talk about speaking and speaking badly. And I don't have time to go through them all, but generally it goes a bit like this. The more we speak, the greater our chances of saying something stupid. That's basically what Proverbs says. Example, Proverbs 10, 18 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever strains his lips is prudent. Okay. As a situation at work, for me, 15 years plus ago, before we went to Mozambique, and I was working for a media company in London, and I was on a stand... Uh, representing this organization and someone in the company came up to me and basically had a go at me about something and they weren't my line manager or my boss they had no right whatsoever to say anything about to me and my response was I'm not very good at you know the quick liner the quick retort and I spent the next however many days and even recently thinking in my, in my mind, oh, I should have said, choo, 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 bam, that would really have got her. Yeah, maybe, maybe it would, but maybe the situation would have got worse if I'd said something. So as I've been looking through Proverbs and thinking about it, I'm actually, that's a real grace in my life that I'm a bit slow-witted. <laughs> I'm a bit dumb. I'm not able to do the quick retort, but that's actually good. To be quiet. Like Peter said the other week, two weeks ago, you know, when someone comes to us and says, there's this issue and this and this and this, for us to say thank you and not respond anymore. That's wise. It's completely opposite to the world, isn't it? The world says, no, you've got to get your shots in there. But no, be quiet, actually better off for us I love Proverbs 17 28 we're whizzing through these Proverbs even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips he is deemed intelligent yeah it's so true isn't it there's if you think of um, sometimes you know there's a really pretty lady or something like that and oh all the guys like her and then she opens her mouth or something you know there's a classic line about that or maybe it's a guy who's really handsome and then he comes out with a, I don't know, better not insult anyone. I'm from Devon. Comes out with a Devonshire accent. There, how's that? You know, we, he looks so handsome until he says something. He looks so wise until he says something. As an example of, have any of you seen Foil's War? It's on TV on constant repeats, but we really enjoyed that in Mozambique. It's about a... Um, chief and superintendent foiled during the Second World War, and it's, it's really good. Um, but he is really quiet, and he has all of these facial expressions, which are really quite amusing, you know, and he's, he doesn't say anything, but he does all this. Um, it's almost as though he's, in his silence, he's giving space for the, uh, the suspect to basically incriminate himself. And, but when he does speak, he is actually quite intelligent. But it's so true, like this proverb says. When he's quiet, you think, must be a really wise guy. It's all summed up in Proverbs 13.3. Whoever guards his mouth 
preserves his life. He who opens his wide his lips comes to ruin. Whoever guards his mouth. At the end of the day, being quiet, that's really good. But also putting a guard on our lips. Because if left unchecked, our tongues will just cause so much destruction. That's the reality. Even this week, knowing I'm going to talk on this, the number of times that I've said things and the next instant, oh, oh, shouldn't have said that. And then it takes a period of time to sort the issue out. If only I'd just shut up, it would have been so much better. If left unchecked, our tongues will cause mayhem. Think about TV, um, theatre, books, uh, film, soap operas. Soap operas are so dependent on conflict that comes from talking, I presume. I don't actually watch any of them, I can't stand them. But the ones that I've watched, and it's all about, old old Doris down the nag said this, I don't know what accent that was going to be. Anyway, And it's so true, isn't it? If you were to take talking badly out of soap operas, what would it be about? It would be kind of like about a pub in the east end of London. That would be really dull. No one would watch it. And James, as in James of the Bible, he knew that. If you've got your finger in James, now's the time. James 3 says, Every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. James was a wise man. It's not impossible to tame the tongue, because with God, all things are possible, aren't they? It's just very difficult. It really is. And we desperately need God's help. We really do. Let me just reread Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Our master, he's really good at lifting the bar high, isn't it? If we think we can attain this by our own works, just give up. We can't do it. But what, what is that corrupting talk? Think about that in our lives. How do we joke? It's so easy, isn't it, to joke about other people or about other, yeah, other people. And, not, oh, I didn't mean it. I was only joking. But what's the result of it? Well, we're not building them up, are we? If you watch any um, stand-up comedian, it's rare that, A, they don't swear like a trooper, but B, that they don't make fun of other people. It's a very talented comedian that can get up and, and have people laughing and not make fun of people. They are very clever. There are a few of them. How do we chat with our friends when we're just relaxing? You know, are we actually talking about other friends in a bad way? Are we being sarcastic? I used to be so sarcastic when I was 14. I just, every single thing was... I just cut, cut, cut. You know, the opposite of what I meant I would say and it was so destructive how is our talk are we talking in a corrupting way just I was just thinking of an instance when I was in a pub with a friend talking like that and we were talking about someone else or about to and I thankfully 
just, it was on the tip of my tongue to start talking badly about this friend. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit, I don't know, but I instantly thought, why on earth am I going to say that? It's not building this person up. Just shut your gob, Tim. And it's like, I managed to. I got away with it. I didn't talk. It's almost like we, we need... We need a virus check on our mouth. Just as we have virus checkers on computers, everything coming in and going out has a virus check. We need the same for our heads, for our brains, so that before we talk, it's actually very quickly going, no, that's bad, shut up. Shut up, Tim, shut up. Okay, you can say that, that's all right. I, I don't know how we necessarily develop it, but that's what we need to get to. When we look back at the end of our lives, I don't think that most people are going to say, if only I talked more. They're not. Might say, if only I talked less. Maybe they'll say, if only I listened more. But certainly not, if only I talked more. So we had the good, we had the bad, and now we're going to have the not ugly. I, I did have it as the ugly, but I thought, okay, we're actually trying to say good things and I'm wanting to talk about us, and we're not ugly, so we're the not ugly. Not that that's terribly encouraging, but anyway, it's better than ugly. So what about us? Hearing these things, the, the, the power, the amazing power of, of good words in our lives, and the incredible destructive power of bad words. What are you feeling? For me, I'm completely convinced. I just think, whoa. How, how wrong have I got this? How many mistakes do I make? I don't encourage my wife half as much as I should. I don't encourage people around me. I, I snap at the kids and I talk bad to my wife and I kick the dog. Actually, we don't have a dog, so I don't do that. But I'm just so aware of those mistakes that I make. How about you? Any, anyone who's perfect, put your hand up and we'll, we'll come shake it. There's a temptation though, isn't there? As we hear these words, we think, yeah, yeah, this week I'm going to do this. This week I'm not going to do that. And the reality is within an hour or two, we'll be having supper and we'll be watching whatever comes on later on the TV perhaps and we forget. And James again, he's that wise dude. He knew about that. He talked about us looking into a mirror and saying, yeah, what a handsome guy, what a handsome woman that is. And then we go away and we completely forget about what it's like. He says, instead, one of you looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We've got to persevere. We've got to keep going. And there are three things we've got to do, finally, to persevere. The first is we've got to ignore the devil. That's quite easy to say, but harder to do. He's going to come along and say, yeah, you're going to try this. You're going to have a go this week, but you're not going to change. You're never going to change. And maybe some of you who've been following the Lord Jesus for a while, maybe you've tried this before. Maybe you've made an effort. I'm going to to really encourage my brothers and sisters this week. I'm really going to not snap at the kids this week. And then within a day or two, it's just, ah, rats, it just doesn't work. I've got a good verse for you. Let this be an encouragement. Let's be a word of life. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, 
with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That's God's truth, brothers and sisters. We are changing. We are becoming like him. Give it a go this week. Don't give up. Secondly, we need each other. We need the community of followers of the Lord Jesus if we are going to do this. We can't do it by ourselves. We need people to encourage us and for us to encourage them. But we need people to say, Tim, you really shouldn't have said that. That hurt me. You really shouldn't have said that. That was really, it didn't build me up. And it's at that point we say, thank you for telling me. And then we shut up. Maybe we come back to them after we've prayed and we say, thank you for telling me about that. You're right, I really blew it. Will you forgive me? And then as a church, let's have a, yeah. I'm going to give you grace because we're all in this together. We're all trying to do this. We all muck up. Don't worry about it, you're forgiven. Let's have an attitude like that. We also need the Holy Spirit. Let's be praying He's walking with us. We're not meant to do this by ourselves, neither the community or without God. God wants to help us and he's there if we ask him. And finally, time. It takes time to become like Jesus. Don't be surprised if you're not perfect yet. But you are, you're becoming like him. So this week, what, what are we building on? The sand or the rock? What house are we building? Are we building for the Lord Jesus or are we building for ourselves? Let's pray, shall we? Actually, let's take a, take a minute just to think about what we've been saying. If you're like me, then you will have mucked up this week. If you haven't said sorry to Father God, now is your time. Say sorry to him for the things you've said or haven't said that you knew you should. And maybe there are others here as well that talking about bad words spoken over you, you know you've been hurt badly in the past. There are things in your heart you quickly remembered certain instances. I want to encourage you to forgive that person, those people now. It's as we forgive them that the Lord Jesus will bring healing to you. If you can think of someone, forgive them right now. Lord Jesus, we come to you in great need of you. Holy Spirit, we're desperate for your help. We can't do this without you. Father, thank you for giving us for where we've hurt you and hurt others this week. Thank you for helping us to forgive those that have hurt us. And Lord, in those particular spots, those wounds, that might go back decades, Lord. I pray you would pour your balm 
pour your life-giving spirit and heal those places right now in people, Father. And Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us this week, Lord, to, to guard our tongues, that we only speak good things, and that we look for opportunities to encourage the people around us, at work, at home, in life groups, wherever it is. Lord, and I pray as a community that we would develop so that we can give much grace and that we are able to hold each other accountable, that we are able to be real with one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And if there are any areas in your life that you feel are still raw, get someone from your life group or get one of the elders or someone from the front to pray with you. Don't let it fester.